The Graphic Histories Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to the Graphic Histories Podcast. My name is Andre Mayette, and I will be your host. Big thanks to Uga the Mock for our theme song, Superpowers. And big thanks to you, gentle listener, for tuning in once again to another fun-filled show. In today's episode, we talk with Robert Mayet, who, if you're a wrestling fan, you may know as the Kurgan from the WWE. If you're a film fan, you may know him as the Uber Immortal from 300, Dredger from Sherlock Holmes, uh, the Russian pilot in Pacific Rim, the... Minotaur and the Immortals, which is a film I think a lot of people slept on that's really cool. Uh, Becky, which is one of his more recent films, which just got a sequel. A very cool guy, very affable guy. Um, and someone I've rubbed shoulders with in the wrestling world a few times. Been on a few shows with him, never worked him specifically, which is Wrestling Speak for Wrestled Him. However, we've been on shows together, and he's always been a really kind, nice guy. Um, I've run into him at other Comic Cons and shows too, so nice to get to know him, get to know more about him. And, uh, and learn about his experience becoming a professional wrestler and then on to film and, and what working with certain directors was like and, and his acting world as well. I learned a bit more about what he's doing nowadays uh, post-COVID. And uh, yeah, it's a great talk. Um, certainly one of the bigger grabs I've gotten for this show, I think, as far as like a guy that's been featured in some pretty prominent films. So that's exciting for me and uh, hopefully exciting for you to tune in. Uh, in the wide world of my life, not too much has gone by. The... St. Patrick's Day just came by, so if you are uh, celebrating St. Patrick's Day or you had celebrated St. Patrick's Day, I hope you had a good one. hope it was filled with Guinness and Irish whiskey and, and a lot of fun. If you're not a drinker, then just fun with friends and family. I have a whiskey club that I started with some friends in which we just uh, all pool money together and then go buy expensive whiskeys and try them. We decided to make that happen on St. Patrick's Day this year and obviously feature Irish whiskeys, which was a good time. And that kind of turned into a bit of a party afterwards, which usually means more drinking happens and karaoke and whatnot. But it was a really, really fun time, and uh, we had a blast. So, yeah, um, great time of year. I never really identified too much with the Irish culture until I went to Ireland, and then I, I kind of fell in love with it, uh, Scotland and Ireland both. But I did one of those 23Me tests, which said I was like 65% Irish and English, which I think a lot of white people generally are in their DNA. But, uh, you know, I, with a name like mine... Uh, I figured it was just going to be all French, but not, not so much, which is cool. The uh, The exciting part of that is, um, you know, getting to feeling like, uh, I don't know, it's kind of it seems dumb to find out that there's Irish in your DNA and then suddenly, like, you know, launch yourself and get in a shillelagh tattoo and all that sort of stuff. I didn't do any of that. But I do feel a bit of a kinship with Ireland, and, and perhaps that's why. Maybe, maybe. Uh, Robert and I actually briefly touch upon that, which is funny because Robert's last name is Maye, which uh, is very similar to my last name because they are derivatives of each other. My last name is a derivative of his. So the original Acadian last name is Maye, Maye, um, turned into Mayette for some folks, um, is a more English spelling, or Mayette, if you go super English on it. Um, so that is the, uh, that, that's, we have a connection that way as well, which is kind of fun. So 
I guess we can get right into it. Uh, this is episode number 96. We're chugging along with the show. It's been going for three years now, and uh, it's been a blast. I'm really enjoying it. Still loving talking to uh, some of my amazing guests. So hopefully that can continue, and I can keep bringing you fun-filled episodes for uh, for the years to come. So please uh, spread the word. Tell your friends. Uh, subscribe. All that kind of stuff. Help uh, the show get more of an audience, which would help uh, help spread the word, which would be very much appreciated. But now... Let's not listen to me jibber-jabber anymore. Let's get to our conversation with Robert Maillet. Hey, Rob. Hey, man. How are you? Not too bad. Good. You? <laughs> not too bad at all. Oh, thanks for, being, thanks for being in the show, man. This is fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, time. I know it's, it's trying to coordinate. It's, it's tough. Uh, oh, no. I'm assuming you're busy, and, uh, you know, I, I am too, but uh, a little bit. A little smaller bit. things than you. But, uh, no, I appreciate it. This is great. Um, obviously, uh, you and I have connected before in the wrestling scene, but I thought it'd be fun to get, you know, to know you in some of the other ways as well, which you've been pretty right. prolific in. So, uh, awesome. Yeah. How's uh, How are things up your way? Good. Not too bad. Not too bad. I mean, I was, uh, but I, I don't know if I, I don't think I told you about that. I have, a, I have another career, or a second career, or a third career. I'm not sure. I'm, <laughs> I work in corrections. So, oh, really? Uh, yeah, I'm a correctional officer. Ah. So, are you like in the prison system, or are you like uh, like a? I am. I am in the prison system. Oh wow! It's here, yeah, Dorchester. Yeah. Renews. Oh, you know, my uh, yeah. my uncle is the warden of Dorchester, I think. Really? Yeah, Lauren Breen. Okay. Yeah, I think it's Dorchester, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but well, I'm hoping, well, that's the, my plan is, the plan is I'll do my time. Funny. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. <laughs> I'll do my time, like, and then uh, in a couple of years, I can transfer in my travel transfer to Dorchester. Yeah, I'd probably be closer. That's, uh, that's cool. It is uh, a little closer, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you must be an imposing uh, uh, guard in the prison system. <laughs> well, I, I, I provoke curiosity for sure. Yeah. You know, a lot of questions, you know, some of them are from, from the staff and then the, and the uh, inmates as well. But, uh, you know, they're curious about me at first. You know? Yeah. Why, why are you here? You know? <laughs> I get that a lot. Yeah. Well, <laughs> why are you in Hollywood? You know, so. Well, yeah. I mean, I imagine it's funny. That's, that's yeah. That's such a um, like a like an ignorant thing to ask someone in in the like I do. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I do a bit yeah. of acting as well. Nowhere near as much as you, but it's like you know, it pays well for the one go. But then you need to have yeah. a like you know, it's not like it sustains you forever. Well, it's not consistent. Well, for no. me. It, it depends who you talk to. It depends mm-hmm. on something like you know. To, ask Tom Cruise how it, yeah, how yeah, it yeah. in COVID times how it, that that infected him. No, so it depends on who you talk to. And yeah, and for me, you know, I had to, I had to assess a lot of assessments or reassessments for when sure. COVID hit. You know, for the, everything. The first wave, of course, everything stopped. The world, the whole, the whole world stopped. Mm-hmm. And I had to figure out what to do. Either, either wait it out, mm-hmm. or maybe find a part-time job 
if there was any part-time job during that time in 2020. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of things to, to maybe continue acting, but I couldn't see it. You know, I, I couldn't see the future. Uh, I mean, if it was in my 20s or my 30s, you know, I would have waited out. Yeah. But uh, I just turned 50 at that time, you mm -hmm. know, and, uh, and I, for me to, to find a part-time job, I don't know, it, it didn't seem feasible for mm. me to, I didn't know when the acting was going to come back mm. you know, at that time. And the opportunity was right there for me to go in that, in that uh, correction path, I guess, because okay. I wanted to do it for a while. It was in my head for like the last few years. You know, always wanted wanted to try it. You know, yeah. before it was late, and the opportunity was was good. Nothing was going on, twenty twenty. You know, and yeah. I, had, I had the time to do it. And I, instead of staying at home, being on Serb, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, As I, many have. I, I went to college. Yeah. I, I, I guess I didn't have to go to college to go for federal, mm -hmm. uh, but it helped. Oh, it, awesome. it, it, it puts your name on top of the list and you get familiar with the whole world when you go to college, you know, mm -hmm. you get you learn a lot of stuff from the routines and the, the, the laws and policies and stuff like that and physical stuff, arrest and control. And then when at the same time you apply for online process, it's a long process. Any federal job is a long process. Oh, process. yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Some it's friends are good. Yeah, I bet. I, I, a lot of testing. Yeah, testing and interviews and psychological testing and all yeah. this, uh, all, all the span of a year, and then they invite you for core training mm -hmm. uh, for three months, and which was in Summerside, which was great. Yeah, it wasn't far, but then yeah. again, it was far because uh, this is a new wave, the big, the, oh, the yeah. Omicron wave last last winter, uh, where basically. I was stuck on an island for three months. I couldn't leave the island, and my family couldn't visit me as well. So it's, it's busy. You, you could have put you me back in the prairie somewhere or in Siberia. Oh, yeah. And uh, for three months, we were stuck there you know, training. And after three months, well, you know, passed all the tests and graduated, and now I'm, I'm, a, I'm working <laughs> at a max prison. So there you have it. That's amazing. Wow. Do you uh, do do any? Does anybody recognize you from your from obviously your I, film? Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, for sure, because you know, I wasn't a known actor. My name was out there for, for movies and stuff. Yep. So yeah, they were doing. Uh, oh yeah, they, they were very, very curious. Very. <laughs> that's a, that's amazing. Um, for me, for me, it brought a lot of pressure for me too because I wanted to prove myself that I wasn't. Uh, yeah, some more. <laughs> Most people thought I was doing it for a role, which is kind yeah. of funny. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I'm such, I'm such a method actor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The well known method I actor. Years out of my life to work, work for a role, you know? Yeah, I went but through I, all the training and lived in PEI for yeah. a year and yeah, little that's there for, for a three months. Role, yeah. You know? yeah, I know. Yeah. But it, it, saying that, it would help having mm. that background now. Mm. It probably would help in my in the future, if you get roles, sometimes it does it does help, you know, if you have to, to know your background is uh, working in the uh, in the correctional sense. Well, yeah, even that, just playing different characters. Yeah, yeah, playing different characters, you can you probably can see a lot of guys that have gone through the system and their motivations and how they react. Oh, and, be perfect you know. for that role because yeah. they know what you did in real life, you know. Yeah. But I will not 
One thing I will do, though, because most a lot of films I watch, anyways, over the years, about prisons and uh, about guards, yeah, prison guards or corrupt, they're corrupt. Mm-hmm. All of them are corrupt. Most of them are corrupt. Pretty much and, every prison show is the. Yeah. And if they offered me, if they offered me a role, oh, you, you, were, you know, you're a correctional officer. Oh, we have this role perfect for you. You know, you play our guard too. But if you find out. If they read the script, he's corrupt. No, I won't. Really? I won't that, yeah. Well, that's good. No, no, I would, no, oh, no, well, no, 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 no. I, you I wouldn't mean, do it. I wouldn't do it. Corrupt the corrupt guard. Even though it's a movie, no, no, I yeah. would not play a corrupt guard. Well, that's nice no. of you to have respect for the, the role. Hey, I'll play an inmate, though. <laughs> You've definitely <laughs> done that before. Well, I did it before a few yeah. times, you know, yeah, but no, yeah. never a corrupt guard. No, no. Oh, well, that's 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 that. sweet. Obviously, you have uh, a, a respect for the role, right? And uh, absolutely. Well, I do have respect for the job. I respect for my coworkers as well, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, it is a dangerous job. It's a it's a hard job mm-hmm. mentally. Yeah. And uh, we are we're kind of a, you know, a family with their brotherhood, yeah. you know, sisterhood. Yeah, I think in any kind of role where you do something like that, like you know, I think yeah. I kind of crop like like security in with like not not I know they're not all different jobs, but like soldiers, like cops, like anything where you would go Absolutely. through situations that are traumatic, you need to have yeah. that sort of port system. Otherwise, you just turn inward and probably lose. You your do life. because you, you're you, you, some days it's nothing. It's boring. You can say mm-hmm. it's boring. You know, not going but then there will be days where it's a, it's a shit show. Yeah, yeah. be a shit show. And you have to be, rely on other people. People rely on me, mm-hmm. and I rely on them as well to try to protect protect each other's back. It's yeah, all there to try to be keep everybody safe. Everybody yeah. safe, staff, especially the, the officers uh, and the inmates as well. Make sure they don't you know hurt each other. Yeah. Keep them keep them alive and finish their their time. Right. So that's the idea. So, so no, it's 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 intense. It's, it's pretty intense job. I mean, when I first started. There and when it was, it's uh, it's, it's yeah. yeah, a lot of tension, a lot of uh, yeah. Well, you seem like I mean, we've only pressure. met a few times in passing, we've always seemed like obviously you're a strong guy, but you're also a you always seem like a like a pretty empathetic guy. So, like that, I think a guy like yeah. you would probably fit well in that role because you can absolutely understand where you're coming from. your best weapon is not being strong physically. You know, there's a lot of strong guys there, too, yeah, a lot of capable guys, mm. you know. Uh, uh, that it's not your best asset. There's a lot of all shapes and sizes for officers there. Yeah. Small people, just you know, it's but that's not your weapon. Your weapon is your mouth. It's yeah. to talk, talk, mm-hmm. talk. To communication is important, highly important. Mm-hmm. Where to de-escalate, de-escalate your situation. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever happens, you use your mouth to talk to them, to to calm yeah. things down. You know what I mean? That's that's the most valued weapon there. I had a brief yeah. career when I was younger as a bouncer, and that was always my my go to. I never, I same thing. I'd always just talk someone, and more yeah. often, I've never never gotten a, a fight with anyone because I'd always just talk yeah. them to the cab and be nice. And I worked with guys that were like total dickheads that just wanted to like be like look strong. If a guy's falling asleep, yeah. they'll, they'll grab him, and he'll be like, you know, you're half drunk, half asleep, and someone grabs you, you're probably going to lash out instead of just oh, talking wow. to the guy first. And uh, after watching that a few times, I was like, you guys got to like. You know, this it wasn't really the life for me because you know I'm just nice. I'm like, you know, we'll put you in a cab, you'll be fine, and they're like, cool. And, but you know, most guys will will just want to want to prove that there's some tough guy, and that's never been a yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's I'm, that's yeah. not going to make a good situation better. I was a bouncer too, and they, uh, absolutely, it's the same the same type of job, job descriptions. You know, it's yeah, very much yeah. there too. I would imagine, yeah, the skills are transferable. Yeah, it is. It yeah, is how to communicate with people, you know, yeah. and 
you know, I don't, I've, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm approachable, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so you were born in Ontario? I was born in Ontario. Wow. Uh, so how- Georgetown, Georgetown, so, Ontario. Was your dad in the military or? No, 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 no. My mom and dad, they, well, they were, they're from New Brunswick, obviously. Mm-hmm. They're from yep. King County, they're Acadians. And yep. uh, they, my mom, my, my dad went, went there for work. Because back in Ontario, back in the day, back in mm-hmm. the 60s, a lot of work back then in Ontario. And they, they most of my dad went to Sudbury, worked in the woods in Sudbury. Uh, uh, and then, and, uh, and then he worked in the, the Ford factory, the Ford, the Ford assembly plant in oh, Oakville. Cool. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, and then my mom, is, and then my mom went there for to work in, in Toronto as a secretary in Toronto. And they met in Georgetown at a dance. But Georgetown at the time, I don't know about now, but Georgetown at the time was a lot of a French community there, and uh, they met at a dance. My dad was 10 years older, was the older, and my, my mom and her friend sneezed, snuck up to the second floor with the older. No, really? Were, and she met my dad, and you know, they were both from, from the same area, and of course they fell in love, and they got married here uh, at home, of course, mm-hmm. and then they went back into Ontario. Uh, they bought a, a little small house, and I was that's where I was born. Oh, wow. And I have no memory of Ontario because we, after when it's six, seven, I was probably six, seven months old or something, mm-hmm. that decided to make a life back home, back in mm-hmm. the country, a life there. And so I moved, I moved less than a year after I was born. Wow. So I no, all my only memory is, uh, you know, my birth certificate is still Ontario. <laughs> that. Well, that's what your wiki says. So I, I noticed that. I thought that was. Oh, no, 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 yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's my connection to, to, to Ontario. Uh, it's the first time I haven't been to Georgetown since I was born, but uh, throughout my life. But uh, I went back maybe six, seven years ago. I had a day off. I was in Toronto for a movie shoot, mm-hmm. and a friend of mine uh, invited me for a drive uh, just to drive around. Um, uh, was my like a day off I had, mm-hmm. and then uh, I said, can, "Can we go to maybe Georgetown?" Oh, sure. Okay, mm-hmm. so we drove through Georgetown. First time since I was born. But for me, it was cool because I kept telling people over the years I was born in Georgetown, born in Georgetown, where it's a place I have no memory of. Mm, I was yeah. probably born there for some reason. <laughs> and the first time, first time I drove through the strip, I guess the main street of Georgetown, it was kind of neat. It was interesting, you know, because it is the place where you're born. It was just kind of, you know impactful i guess emotionally i suppose yeah well i think there's a connection to that sort of stuff even if yeah you can rationalize you shouldn't have one but i feel like on some base level there is a connection to places and i don't i don't know like i'm not into any kind of spiritual stuff but i kind of think like there's something that feels like home to you that may be in somewhere psychologically in there that you don't know yeah but especially when you get an older you can tend to appreciate uh, you know where you came from and stuff and even though i grew up in the maritime i'm a maritime Maritimer, and I'm mm-hmm. an Acadian, but uh, from New Brunswick. But uh, there's a connection from there for sure. Yeah, that's very really cool. Was your? Uh, it's funny too about your your generational uh, shift in the ages because uh, it's like you don't see that anymore. But those huge age gaps with, uh, you know, I guess you do in like rich people or whatever. But like just the average folk, because my folks, my dad's ten years older than my mom as well. So it's a, uh, you know, it's just such a strange. Uh, like I'm 37, so he would have been. I think he. 
he was 28 mom was 18 when they got married so you know that's just yeah. how you know it's like that weird generational thing you don't quite see so much anymore no it's true isn't it yeah. uh, it's a, by the end of time it was a common thing but yeah you're right my dad, but that's a 10-year gap that yeah, makes sense. At least the guy's established when he's older, right? Like, you know, if you're going to marry someone. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, they have a job or a life or something like that. You know, they have st- plans and stuff put in place than the, than the average young My man. My dad enjoyed his time back back then before he was married, for sure. You know, he had fun. And then he, he settled down pretty much by the time we got married. When we had our kids, we had me, and, me and my two brothers, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. He was kind of a more, you know, calm or mature would say you become a little more more mature. Yeah. I think that helped me too get in into corrections mm. I, I, into that world. I guess because of at the time of my life, you know, I'm 53 now, so so I, I, you know, I, I'm a little more probably experienced or mature. I guess that mm. helped me through the job. You know what I mean? So, For sure, yeah. Did uh, yeah. so at, when you were growing? When did your size become apparent? Like when did you start? Oh, fairly early. Yeah. Big baby, I guess my mom was fun. My mom was the first one to realize that. I yeah. Yeah, she probably would be. <laughs> but uh, no, it was always a twice the size of my kids my age. Always, yeah. always. Since I was a baby and I grew up. So I was aware of it. I think my first time where I was was I always drove with my dad around. My dad always drove around to talk to people. He was mm-hmm. a very social, social guy. And, it was so I always dump along with him in his truck and drove him to garage and go to the garage and stuff. And he was always said that this is my son. He's only five years old. Because <laughs> I was, you yeah. know, I didn't look. I was five years old. Yeah, yeah. I was, like, was probably ten or fifteen years old. Wow. So I'm guessing your folks so, were, were your dad wasn't a big guy. My dad was a big guy. No, yeah. he was uh, six one six six two. I suppose. Yeah. Six, yeah. Two. Tall guy, and uh, my mom was not small either. For women, uh, my, my, my mom's side of her family were they're, they're tall, tall women. Oh, really? A little above, above average. Women yeah. Um, you know, five, my, my mom would have been five nine. Yeah. Five, tall nine, for women, yeah. So the, the, my, both sides of my family, my dad, my mom, there were no short people. For yeah. Sure. yeah. Was, was above average, <laughs> so your my brothers big too? Like... Uh, well, like, my noble brother Jean Paul is uh, probably six one, six one, six two. Yeah, something like that, six one maybe. But uh, and then my, my, my younger brother was uh, five. I think he's five nine or something. Five, oh jeez, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he was yeah. the butt of the yeah. jokes, was he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He bit, yeah. yeah. But a seven year gap too, right? Yeah, he's, he's seven years younger than me, so that probably yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, watered down the uh, the solution a little bit (laughs) after the years. That's why I kept telling them. Yeah. (laughs) So was so was it like like when you were a kid was the wrestling what you wanted to do or is that just something you fell into because of your size? I imagine with people that are tall. Yeah. All right. I think I fell in love with wrestling, watching wrestling back in the eighties, mid the mid eighties, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I started watching Granby wrestling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every Saturday morning, my dad was a fan of it, you know, of, of, of local wrestling or Grand Prix, yeah. I suppose. And I was, I was intrigued by it. I liked it. It was kind of interesting and different mm-hmm. and weird and cool. And then, uh, and then we got cable. Mm-hmm. Or this is before we got cable. And a friend, a friend of my neighbor, a friend of mine, uh, was our neighbor. He had, he had cable and invited us to go see wrestling. 
in the WWF wrestling. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was exciting. So what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. Other yeah. than Grand Prix wrestling, this yeah. is the big time, you know? That was, yeah. This is back, Hulk Hogan was on top, Macho, oh, yeah. Andre, you know, all those big yeah. names. The classics. Pretty, golden age, the golden age of wrestling. This is WrestleMania three era, you mm-hmm. know? And then, and then I, I fell in love with it. And I, I, for sure, the, my size probably convinced myself, or maybe my friends of mine convinced me that I could be a wrestler because of the way I looked. Mm-hmm. I wasn't filled up back then. I was tall and lanky, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, I convinced myself that uh, that's what I wanted to do. For I wanted to wrestle after I, after high school, I guess. Yeah. And it's just a crazy idea. If I don't think my mom cared for it. No. Yeah, I can't imagine any parent would. Uh, I only fell into it when I was in my like after I'd moved out, and I kind of. My, my, my dad was kind of curious. My dad was kind of yeah. You know, he liked wrestling. He understood it, but uh, my, my dad said, "You know, basically make it for as as long as you make a living." You know, yeah, that's what, what, what counts. You know, but uh, wrestling. Yeah, you can make a living, but it's uh, it's not an easy goal. No, it's a hard road. It's a long hard road. Yeah. It is on the uh, It's a tough road. Yeah. You've you've went a lot further on it than I did. Um, uh, I mean, I'm still at it, but uh, you know, it's like, you know, it's not a people that you know romanticize that lifestyle. It's like it's a lot of driving, a lot of you know hotels, a lot, a lot of driving hotels, a lot of like weird ass yeah. places, strange promoters, yeah. crazy characters. Like it's. These shows yeah. that are sort of picking up on the the back end of wrestling and making like TV shows out of it now, it's like like the Rocks one and some other ones. It's like you don't read like people are just realizing how insane of a life it is. It's like a nonstop circus, like you know. It's like you know if you like those movies where they show the back end of the circus, watch some stuff about wrestling. Like it's the same thing, just crazy characters and insanity all around. That's right. But yeah, so you started with Grand Prix, right? Is that through? Did you with yeah? Uh, yeah? I imagine you walked in the door there and signed you up immediately. Uh, kind of. You know, yeah. emailed her. I went to see Emil Dupree. He was yeah. the, the boss back then. And he was, at first, he wasn't interested, but uh, he wanted me to get filled up, of course. You know, mm-hmm. which is true. I wasn't really in the shape I was, mm-hmm. that he wanted me to be. But I went, I, uh, so, so, but then I went to see Pedophile, Stephen Pedophile, and yeah. I, bugged him, I bugged him a bit. And he <laughs> remembered me. He didn't have time at the time for me, but uh, eight months later, he called me up asking me if I was still, if I was still interested to, to get trained, you know, and because uh, they were looking for guys. This is 1990, the summer of 1990, and the three guys, uh, some of the three guys left the territory to go somewhere else to work at the end, at the, at the, end, at the end of August, I guess. And uh, so they were looking for to, to fill up the spots. So there was so they, they got three guys, me and two other guys among them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was exciting right? when I had that call from Bellbar. Was uh, yeah, absolutely. That's what I, I kept bugging my friends and family about yeah. that, and you know, do it. That's let's, let's do it now. And it was a pretty exciting time. It was a good summer learning. The basic stuff. It was a crash course, like a morning yeah. month training. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Headlock, headlock bumps. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, or, you know, how to lock up and stuff like that. How to yeah. hit the ropes. Basic mm-hmm. stuff. How to yeah, hit yeah. bumps. It was a hard thing mm-hmm. at first. It was hard. I kept landing on my lower back or bumping my head. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but for me, it didn't matter 
It didn't matter for me, at least, because my, my gimmick was the giant gimmick. So I Yeah, you're not taking a lot of bumps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. I love taking bumps, but then I yeah. found out maybe that's not a good idea for my gimmick. You know? yeah, yeah. Did you do a match uh, where you took way too many and then so many other? Yeah. yeah. I've watched that before. I did, too, yeah. That happened a couple of times. Usually you know? Peter Smith's the one yelling at somebody for taking, some big guy for taking too many bumps. So. Exactly, because you are a gimmick. I am a I am this attraction. You know, yeah. If you put too many bumps, then you, take, you just become another guy. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're not as different. Yeah. You know, I am different for sure. You have to appreciate what you have. Yeah. You, you know, you're, so it, it took a while for me to, to, to understand that a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, love it. Bumps. I love taking bumps. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be a wrestler, but then I understood, no, that's not. No, it's no, funny no. because like the guy it always seems that way like the small guys want to do the big power moves the big guys want to do flippy yeah. crazy like it's always what you can't what you shouldn't be doing that you really want to do like uh I it's i was always the same way because like i'm i'm six two and i'm 250 roughly like i'm not small i'm not massive but i've always been like wanting to you know do weird like wrestling stuff that like people yeah, are like you're too big yeah. for that don't do that it's like, we're, because we're fans yeah exactly <laughs> that's you want to you want to do all parts of, of it instead of exactly. just exactly Keep your, and, keep your windows and, and small. I understood, I understood my role in it. I was like, oh, yeah. okay, no, I don't have to do that. I assume which once that happened, yeah, you you yeah. started going way ahead, right? Yeah, and which is good when I when you understand when you understand your role in it. You know, uh, I love the Goliath, David versus Goliath story. It was just mm-hmm. fun because you're right. You got the small guy trying to people get behind the small guy trying to be yeah. the big guy. That, that's that's an instant. Uh, that's automatic. Yeah, pretty much. The audience connects immediately with that. Yeah, they, they think it's they think it's support from him to him. Yeah, and when it only have to take one bump, one or yeah. two bumps maybe at towards the end, and the, the, the crowd pop. You know, it, yeah. it works. It does yeah. work, and I, I love that. You know, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's a. I don't. I'm I actually have a show coming up this weekend. Um, the, the or next Saturday, this Saturday coming. Um here in Toronto, I run the new breed wrestling. So, uh, okay. yeah. So, uh, you're getting used to that, but yeah, it's like the, that crowd reaction. I, I tell people when I'm talking about it, because people have been asking me for tickets and stuff, it's just like, you know, if you haven't gone to a wrestling show live, like just try it once. You'd be surprised what, what it feels like, um, beyond like you watch it on TV. That's fine. But like in a live environment, when you get the crowd, like the oh, energy the kids and like, it's such a spectacle to watch everyone oh, get into boy. it. It's the best. It's like, it's, any sports venue, you know, the TV doesn't do it justice. You know, no. hockey, baseball, or you know, oh yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, it's not wrestling, just wrestling. You have to be there live to appreciate it. It, 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 it is true. It's just the, the energy, the, the noise, and the, the, you get sucked into it. Yeah, for sure. I remember, uh, well, Moncton, when they first came to Moncton, WWF came to Moncton. This is back in '88, August '88, yep. actually. Yeah, uh, first time they came to Moncton was, was pretty exciting. So I got tickets right away. We were on the floor, and it was ex- it was, it was pretty <laughs> you're like towering yeah. over the wrestlers from the, from the front floor. I was in the front row, you know, yeah, that's that. awesome. But it was the Macho Man was the champion at the time, and it was against uh, the DiBiase. But oh, uh, so that would have been amazing. But the crowd, the noise, it was, yeah. uh, it was, it was pretty exciting. Yeah, it's enough know? to so hook I, you, yeah. I understood that, I understood that. Uh, you know, as a, the fan part of me. When, yeah. when you wrestle, when you, yeah, as, you, as you would know, you were a fan. When you wrestle, you can understand what the fans 
sees in the match, mm-hmm. you know, because you were a fan. You're still yeah. a fan, of course. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I think people like, I don't understand wrestlers that aren't fans of wrestling, you know, guys that like, I, I, I understand them, whatever. Yeah. It's a gig, but like, I'm like, how can you not? you know do like it's like being an actor and not liking at movies like how could you do yeah. that and you know what i mean like it's just to me it's yeah, just strange. You do it for the money for the payments and yeah to me it just, i mean it's hollow to me i mean whatever whatever it people is. make money but it just seems hollow to me so uh so when did wwe start uh, come calling like what uh what, how did that yeah. connection happen well uh well it had but it happened twice in the sense of, i had a first attempt at it i guess a first tryout Happened in 1991. This is when I was still working for Pedapal. Yeah. In, in Grand Prix when they all retired. Uh, and I got the call. I think they heard about me from Leo Burke. I think Leo Burke mentioned to one of the agents, because they were all friends with mm-hmm. the agents, like Pat Patterson, maybe, I'm not sure. You know, as they, they called me up, this is in November of 91, to, uh, to do a tryout. Uh, and I was I wasn't really ready for it, and I wasn't physically ready for it. I was burnt out over the summer. It was a long summer. You work every day, yeah. Oh, it's, it was, and then and then I got the call to go to tryout in upstate New York, in Utica, New York, for one of their TV tapings. And it was exciting and and scared at the same time. Yeah, yeah, a bit. You know what I mean? I was a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. I wasn't sure. Wasn't sure about. Anyway, I still went. Because I didn't want to miss an opportunity. Mm. So I would have, I would have kicked myself if I didn't go. Yeah, for sure. So I, I went first time. That was the first time on the plane. Believe in Moncton, the first time on the plane. Oh, really? <laughs> first time going to to states. Yeah. You know, so a lot of first times. Yeah, let's go. Cool. Was only twenty one, probably was going to turn twenty two years old. Yeah, I was twenty two at the time. So, I, and then, uh, and yeah, so landed there and. Picked up the at the airport. They picked me uh, picked me up, and they also picked uh, Owen Hart up. He came, he came from Europe. He came from Germany, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the first time I met Owen Hart, yeah, it's you know it's very friendly, huge, yeah. Of course. And then drove to the arena, and uh, the, the, got to the arena. And it's already packed. You know, already people were short started already, and, uh, and that's where I went backstage and. Meant everybody was there at the, from from that time. Everybody, and I remember seeing memories of seeing Ric Flair and Roddy Piper. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> and uh, Brett was there too. I didn't really talk to Brett at the, there because Brett was a huge influence later on mm-hmm. to get into WWF, but uh, not at that time. I saw Brett. I saw. Uh, Undertaker. I remember mm-hmm. the Undertaker. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that's but awesome. Everybody, everybody was there, yeah. and I was like, I was a fish out of water. Yeah, what the fuck, what the fuck am I doing here? What's <laughs> <laughs> the mark? Yeah, <laughs> and then they put me up against this guy, this, this jobber, I guess, uh, Bob Bradley. Uh, he was a, a, a job guy for, for them, and we set up a match, and it was a dark match mm-hmm. before, you know, and uh, yeah. Gorilla Monsoon. When they called it the Gorilla Position, well, Gorilla Monsoon was at the Gorilla Position. <laughs> and, uh, he wasn't really too friendly. Really? He was, but no, he was. Well, he was busy guy. He was, you know, he, he had he had the role mm-hmm. of the guy at the at the before the curtains, you know. And then, What's your name? The Acadian Giant. 
Kind of, yeah, yeah, it's connected. Hello. That's where Katie oh, and Cajun Cajun came from. Yeah, yeah. Cajun's all right, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. Whatever, I don't care. You're coming so, out in a Louisiana outfit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have the lumberjack outfit, too. All right, right, yeah. So, yeah, that's funny. And then, uh, and then they awesome. call my name. They call my name. They'll, they'll, okay, the monster said, okay, go. They also went through the curtains, and then you can hear... But you can hear the crowd mm-hmm. behind the curtains, of course. It was a full, full packed house. It was a packed house. Come out, and they didn't know who I was, obviously. Yeah. Said, who the fuck is that? <laughs> they booed me. They booed me. They, they didn't boo me in the ring. Oh, yeah. They booed me on the way to the ring. <laughs> so like, holy, this is a, that was a long walk. Yeah, know? I would imagine. <laughs> Were you supposed Literally. to be that? You weren't supposed. You weren't supposed to be the face in this scenario, were you? I was a kid. I was a technically a face. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I was technically because Bob Bradley was kind of a heel. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is the uh, guy who was Battle like, Cat, right? That was Bob Bradley. Huh? Battle Cat. That was Bob Bradley. Yeah, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. He's a good guy. He's a good worker too. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so we we did the match. By, by the book, by, by the books match, whatever you call it. You know what I mean? There's no. The crowd wasn't into it at all. Yeah, you know, despite a bit, kind of a basic match. Mm-hmm. We didn't do any fuck us, but you can tell it was green. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I was because I was fucking nervous. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, I was just nervous. <laughs> the, the, you know, everything, everything was so overwhelming. Yeah, but then we did my my my, my finishing move as a the side slam was my finishing mm-hmm. move at, at the time. And, and then one, two, three, I got over and, and then went back to the back. And then the agents came out around Tony. I don't remember Tony Guerrero. I remember him at the time. And you know, there was a couple of them and asking me, you know, I forget what the words I said, but they know I wasn't ready. You know? Yeah. You know, we'll come back another time. Come back yeah. next time. This time you're not ready. Well, yeah. No. So what's. I knew, but what's was still I didn't want to hear that either. No, yeah, of course. It's a blow to the ego it. regardless. It is, it is, it was, it was, it was disappointment. Because I thought it was a moment it was gonna be my last time. But yeah. that, my, my only try with them. You know, mm-hmm. that was that was the big disappointment. But uh but no, four or five years later I uh, I got the call from I got the call again to do a second tryout, I guess. Uh, but this time it was through Leo Burke. I was in the Maritimes at the time, nothing was going on. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I wasn't wrestling that much, I was balancing a lot. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, I got the call from Leo Burke asking me if uh, I was interested. In, I was, he was asked, he told me that Brett wanted to meet me, Brett Hart wanted to meet me because at the time Leo was a trainer for Brett at the time at his, at his house in Calgary. And then uh, I said, absolutely. You know, it's just another call, important call. You know, Stephen Pedophile call was important to start start my yeah. career, I guess, but my wrestling. But uh, the call from Brett from Leo was uh, a big deal. You know, mm. and so I so they flew me to Calgary and, uh, to meet uh, to meet Brett for the first time, and I was there for like like a month training. Just, 
to, to see if uh, I knew the basics. It's, it's, I was a little rusted, but I yeah. still know how to headlock and yeah. like that. And I had these, yeah, I was a bit bigger, a little bit more filled out at, at the time than, mm-hmm. than when I you know, early in my career. And then, uh, yeah, after a month, then Leo helped too. Leo, you know. Oh, yeah, one mentor. of the best. Leo. So he was a mentor. He was a mentor. Yeah. Mentor, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, those who so, don't know, he's probably one of the most underrated and probably best wrestlers to ever come out of Canada. Yes, he is. Uh, it's hard to hear that lately he's been suffering from uh, dementia. I've often. heard that. Yeah, I've heard he's he's pretty pretty far gone. Now, yeah, yeah. So which is a shame. Sad. I met him a couple he's times a, on tours out here, and he's always a real joy to to talk. Very to. friendly man. Very yeah. friendly guy. He's always there to give me advice and help. Yeah. Especially you know for him to connect me with Brett, you know, it's uh, pretty, yeah. pretty grateful for that. Yeah, yeah amazing. Sure. Well, he was, so a, Leo was, yeah. he was producer for WWE for a while, wasn't he? Leo was like, Leo? Earlier. yeah. No, no it wasn't a, a, not even a booker, just a trainer. For, okay. Yeah. I don't remember being, being a booker. No, I thought he did something with them earlier on, but I don't recall. Maybe not. Uh, mostly a trainer. I know he worked for, for WCW for a long time. Oh, okay. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I know that Kevin Nash invited him to take a phone and phone him to somewhere in the states, and he didn't know he didn't know Nash didn't know who Leo Burke was. He just no. sent him in because he had money to find him. And he knew he was a trainer, but yeah. No, you know, oh, really? that's there. funny. But uh, no, so Leo was there throughout the whole time, <laughs> and. Um, when I was in Calgary now, so they thought I was be I was ready for it, and then, then I uh, yeah, I got back home for Christmas uh, vacation, I guess, but then in January or February they flew me to uh, to Stanford, Connecticut, which is the headquarters of WWF, mm-hmm. and that's where I, and that's where I met the boys, my my, my truth commission guys. Oh yeah, and then uh, to know each other how to work together at their facility in, uh, in Stanford and that's where the first time I met, met Vince McMahon which was pretty intimidating <laughs> you know, he's the man yeah he, I remember he liked my look my look and of course how big I was and my I liked my look and so it was, it was a plus for him you've always seen him depicted a lot in you know like a documentaries or stuff where people talk about him but I kind of feel like the missing man that I like in my head to picture what he's like, and you can tell me this is is true, is the rest. Is it the Wrestling with Shadows documentary where uh, he's introdu- He's talking to Darren Drozdov, the guy that became. And he's talking about the pukey yeah. gimmick, and he was like, "Yeah, he's gonna puke." Like that was like <laughs> like. It, that's the Vince Man, McMahon that I like in my head imagine him to be most like in a day to day. Like he just seems excited. Like he'll pick on something. He's a, he's, he's a fan. Yeah, absolutely. that he likes of you, and he'll take it to the nth degree. And that's like kind yeah, of yeah. If bottom. he likes you, absolutely. Yeah. If he likes you, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I mean, I, my interactions right now are probably not as close as some guys are. Yeah. But he was always been friendly with me. Yeah. You know, every time he comes up to me when I like appear at the building and hi, Robert, how you doing? You yeah. Know? Good sir, and you try to cover up words to make make sure you don't embarrass yourself. Oh, of course, yeah. Good sir, huh? Good sir. Yeah. So, <laughs> be my nice, my nice guy. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I don't want to screw that up because he always give me, a, you know, working for his company, he always give me opportunities. Yep. To shine, you know, he give me a couple opportunities to to make a go at it because they invest a lot of time and money on, on me. Yeah, I guess, you know? for sure. So I didn't want a disappointment on my side of it. Of the thing, mm-hmm. but uh, it was, but he didn't 
come quick. You know, I was assuming when I fed Vince and, and my team, they had decided to send us down to the uh, Memphis you know, for more training. So mm-hmm. They didn't have Florida thing to f- performance. But this is where, at the time, was with uh, Jerry Waller. Oh, yeah. With SWA and uh, that was their, their farm farm team, I guess, farm promotion. So we were there to get training, to, to get experience, and then get ready for the big the big call to go for the big show. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the plan, right? And it was a little stressy because we're when you know there's no guarantees. Yeah. It was a big risk. Yeah. So we closed down to Memphis. We had to find places to live in small studio apartments and had to find a, a minivan to rent because we were like five of us in the van. <laughs> oh, yeah, way too big, yeah. We did show seven days a week, like the Maritimes, six, seven days a week, you know, maybe three times a day. Wow. For Saturday, it was three times. Wow. Now, a morning TV show, TV taping. There's a studio in Memphis, and then a matinee show in Memphis, and then drive down to Nashville. It was about two hours to do a, an evening show. It was a, oh, I hated that. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine. It, it yeah. took a long day. I was just yeah. driving. But, uh, and then they told us we were going to stay there for like a month, maybe. Okay, a month. No, no maybe not. Maybe two months. All right. Yeah. So maybe three months. And I came down to four months. Wow. Four months so we weren't sure if they want to call us or not. And I was like, my God, it was, it was stressy. Because I couldn't go home. I couldn't afford to go home. Yeah. Really, because it wasn't Memphis, Tennessee, which was a long way from the, from the Brunswick. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't have the time or I couldn't afford it. But I just, and I didn't have Skype or... Yeah, yeah, talk to your family, yeah. At the time, that didn't exist, you know. So that's 25 years ago. But uh, so doing phone calls all the time once in a while. So it was tough. It was it was tough, but it paid off. You yeah. know, they, 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 they offered us contracts at the end, you know. Well, contracts, they offered us a tryout yeah. in, in Detroit. It was in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, it was a do-or-die match, pretty much. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sure that's, that's, pressure. Yeah. yeah, no pressure. Yeah, <laughs> with the six man tag, three the three against the uh, six man tag, and one one of the jobbers was Rhino before it became Rhino. Oh, right. Yeah, the big he's still he was a big kid then too, big legs. Yeah, but uh, we did uh, did the match and uh, got over it. The, the agents liked it. I think Vince liked it, and got offered contracts. They, they, they let Mike Halleck go. Mike Halleck was our team. He was a mentor back in the nineties. They, they let him go after that match and they replaced him with Luc Poirier who's uh, from Quebec. Uh, he's known wrestling in Europe and Germany as a, mm-hmm. a Rambo. The Rambo, the head of Rambo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, Luc Poirier was a good guy. We, we connected with him. You know, he was a friendly guy, nice guy, and good worker too. And got, I think the team got better. You know, the chemistry yeah. got better. And, uh, it was a strange. I mean, the Truth Commission was kind of a strange stable at the time. Uh, I mean, even 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 back. Yeah. In, I mean, you've been in a, quite a few strange stables over the years. Sure, um, well, the yeah. oddity, you know, yeah, but, yeah, of course. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. It was a bit different at the time. It was the whole gang, the gang uh, militant cult kind of thing is kind of the you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, the 
also the gangs, they were working with the gangs as well. They got the, 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 the Nation of Domination. Right. They got uh, the DX, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the Lost Barricos. Yes, yeah, yeah. And the DOA, the bikers. Yeah, oh, the, yeah. The, the yeah. Peppers of Apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the, the gangs, and then we got us, you know? Yeah. So that was the, the gang phase, I suppose, of that year. So that's how we got, how we got in, mm-hmm. I suppose, that, that quick. And uh, it was... Uh, it was pretty exciting. It's pretty mm-hmm. exciting to finally sign the contract, and uh, it needed a good yeah, run. A good good run there. Did you? Did you look back yeah. fondly on your time at WWE? Or did you feel I do. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's yeah. good memories. It was yeah. pretty exciting. It was like an adventure. It was a dream. It was a kind of. It was a dream job. It was a dream to be in the WWF and finally being there. You know, I. It, it was hard to. It was hard to stay in. You know what I mean? Try to. You're finally there, but but then it's an old other thing to stay there. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You know I, mean? I, I feel like the politics game in WWE must be. I don't know what it's like now, but just like when I talk to people like of your generation yeah. that came before me that are like have had a, a run in it or something, it's like I've talked to Edge a bit about it. We were both on a TV show that show you were on at Haven out here one time, oh, yeah. and I, yeah. I talked to him a bit about it, and you know, just uh, the learning about like the environment and how much work it takes to try to stay on top and stay in the eye and. You know, get your like you see stuff like that in wrestling on my level, just much smaller. But to see sure. it in a way like WWE, where it's like you know, hundred thousand dollar, million dollar contracts, and there's all these people vying for a position and, and wanting to be, oh, you know, trying yeah, to stab each other's back. exactly. Like I just, I feel like that environment must be tough, really tough, especially if you're like a, yeah. a fairly, a fairly uh, kind hearted sort of person. You don't really want well, exactly. To, yeah. I was my personality is I'm not uh, aggressive. Yeah, you know, yeah. Nice guy, you know? yeah. I feel I'd feel bad screwing someone over, right? Like this, just put myself ahead. So a lot of people don't feel that way in those situations, and that's uh, and that's why they get ahead usually. Well, it's funny, you know, that Bruce Pritchard, uh, Bruce Pritchard, you know, if you've yep. heard that name before about he's oh, yeah. second hand second hand man of Vince and the talented woven talent at the time. And he did an interview recently uh, uh, online and said that was too nice. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, but it probably was. It probably was, but maybe, you know, it probably wasn't the reason why I'm not, didn't stay there for long. Maybe it was too nice. Not aggressive enough, I guess. You're probably right. But uh, I'd rather be too nice than being an asshole. Yeah, I agree. It's like if being too nice is is what's gonna you know is what is a, is a, a def or rather a defect to you, then yeah, I don't uh, think maybe, maybe this isn't my point. Well, in my career, my my other career, my, my acting career, mm-hmm. you know, I got approached uh, many times, well, a few times to work because it, when I when I work with people and part of an assembly with actors and on set. I'm always friendly and was respectable, mm-hmm. and they remember that. And yeah. they always called me up to for me to come back to work with them because they yeah. remember me how how nice I was. Yeah, yeah. There, so, I often say it's, that to young so, wrestlers. I, yeah, so. I say, look, there's nobody that's so good that they're worth putting up with if they're an asshole. I would much yeah. rather book a guy that's like ninety percent as good as another guy that's a nice guy than the other guy, you know, because if he's hard to deal with, like I'd much rather. 
you know, we'll see like, a lot of assholes make it, uh, make it to, on, up to the top that they're assholes, and it, yeah. they're going to come down eventually. And it, that's it, fine. You know, that's what you want to live your life. That's fine, but you know, it's suffer the consequences. How you treat people? You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, it's an to be nice. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> that's fine, Bruce. That's fine. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, that's that, but wrestling's probably the only industry where you could. Uh, you could uh, that 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 is a like one of the the few industries out there where being nice is like is a like a, a hindrance, which is sad. Yeah. At all. Yeah. So uh, how did three hundred come along? I see you did the Lex, which seems like every Canadian actor had to be on that show at some point. Lex. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was my first gig. I think yeah. It was my first day on Lex. That was pretty fun. Trying to pretend to rape a guy. Oh, <laughs> that yeah. sounds like the Lex. Like uh, I, we we've talked about it a few times on this show, just because some people <laughs> I I've had a guy on it that was a storyboard artist for it for a while on the show, and uh, another comic guy, and uh, it, was, it was pretty cool. It yeah. was a very unique and strange show, but uh, it was it, kind it, of Star Trek with a lot of sexual innuendos. Yeah, very dark, weird. Like I actually downloaded it all because I want to watch it, at least watch the first few movies that started out the show and see. Because it seems interesting, like Tim Curry was on it and Malcolm McDowell and like all these crazy people. So it's like, I think it'd be interesting to go back and kind of revisit it because I feel like I have these weird, I remember it always came on late at night. And, you know, as a kid, you'd watch it hoping to see some nudity or something. Cause it seemed like they kind of show you might see it. But you're very, yeah. the uh, <laughs> actress, uh, I forget her name, the German actress. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is yeah, this is yeah. Really <laughs> so uh, no, I, for me, I asked, I asked the guy, Stanley, the, the lead uh, pilot, I guess, of the star. He's all strapped up in a mental institution. And he's in the padded room, and he's all, he had the Hannibal Lecter mask. Yeah, I, I'm the orderly, and I asked him, you know, we, "We're going to play house." Yeah. <laughs> want to be mommy or daddy? Want to be mommy or daddy? <laughs> He says, uh, I'm, I'm going to beat Daddy. Okay, okay. And then my, my lines are, okay, Daddy, come take a look what Mommy brought for lunch. Uh, I dropped my, my pants. And then the scene's over. I didn't show that to my mom. Or to my yeah, family. probably not so much. That's hilarious. So what about 300? Yeah. Well, that came, I got the call from... Uh, I think they're leaving me messages. I think the stunt guys, the, the stunt coordinators from the from the movie, called me uh, called me up, leaving messages out, asking me if I was interested in working in a movie about fighting, sword fights, and stuff. They weren't weren't really specific. You know, uh, how did they get your like? How did they even know to to call you or how to get hold of uh, you? Well, they went they approached her. This uh, another Russian connection. They went to approach Jacques Rougeau because it was all shot. Montreal was all shot in Montreal. Right. And they they wanted to find a guy, a big guy, I suppose, to play that role. But he was also a stunt actor, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So a wrestler would make sense. So yeah, of course. So they went to see Rougeau, because they knew Rougeau, the local stunt guys, and uh, asked him if there's anybody who can play it. And it was, he passed out a couple names, and then he passed mine. Uh, I guess the audition on a big guy as well was in account. Mm-hmm. But uh, he passed my name around, my my contacts, and they called me up and leave me a message. I didn't it's really a weird message to get. Well, it is. Yeah. You weren't very specific, asking me what we worked in a movie in Montreal, in a sword sword movie, fight movie. So I think in, in my head, I'm thinking a low budget movie. 
in Montreal. Because mm-hmm. Montreal, yeah. you know, I don't think Montreal has a haven for making movies. No. At the time, at the time right? So if you do, yeah. It I didn't really either. capture me at all, so I didn't call back. And then Rougeau called, finally calls me after a few days, and Rob, he's fucking leaving me messages. He called him, he should have called him back. They're, you know, it's the Warner Brothers. And when he said Warner Brothers, I said, no, I knew how big it was. Mm. Oh, big Hollywood movie, Warner oh, Brothers. Yeah. Oh, oh, shit. I thought they, I thought they forgot about me. You know? <laughs> I brought him back, and then they were still interested. Oh, awesome. They flew me to Montreal for one day to see how I looked, my, how big I was, and whatever, and did a sword play with them, coordination. Stuff like that. I was tired because I was working night shift at my job in Brooklyn. I was a mission operator. I was burnt out. Just, just tired and had in that sleep. I had to fight early in the morning to go to Montreal. So. Oh, jeez. Well, <laughs> very burnt out. And I thought I was going to lose role because of that. But at the end of the day, the, I remember we were on set. I was, I was on set. It was the Spartan set, the Spartan village. It was pretty cool. Wow, this is cool. And, and then the stunt guy, the producers, it says, wait here a minute. We're going to talk about if you want you or not, basically. Mm-hmm. So they went towards the corner of the set, of the stage, and talking about me. And I was in the middle of the set knowing that this could be my last moment. I said, you know, that bitch, yeah. soak it in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, uh, and then they came back and said, yeah, well, we want you. You know, so they tell they told me but you know, I didn't have an agent at the time, which I was over there. But uh, they offered me how much I was gonna make and it was more money than I was gonna I was making back home. So yeah. Oh yeah, sure, sure. That's that sounds pretty good. That was pretty good. Yeah. How many days they wanted me for rehearsals, uh, for training and, and how many days of shooting and stuff and so it was a lot of, of time off, a lot of time away from work, so I had to call work to Ask him for time off mm-hmm. to do it, then he they gave it to me, you know. So I had a good boss, you know, and spent a month training, rehearsing. It was cool, and then uh-huh. filming, a lot of prepping, makeup prepping, testing. Yeah, I mean the makeup in that is extensive and pretty cool. Uh, Four hour makeup, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I loved it though; it was exciting. You know? Yeah, it, well, I mean it's a. It's the standout scene of the movie. I mean, if you pick, I mean, it's a great movie. Um, I, I love the movie. Well, it, it, it is. It is for many reasons because it's the only. If you think about it in the movie, there's a lot of fights and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all battles. Yeah, big big all battles. Big, big battles, armies and armies. Big battles. A lot of mesh of, of Spartans and, and Persians trying to kill each other. It's just a mesh of. It's the only one-on-one fight. Yeah. In the, in the movie, and it wasn't like that in the comic book, which is based off. Yes, yeah, I read it. Yeah. Was based on true story, of course, but uh, our, my character wasn't part of the true history of it. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I mean, I don't think they were actually demons. Like <laughs> that movie makes them all pretty. Uh, yeah, like, the Iranians you know. were not pleased. <laughs> yeah, I, I can, I can see why they wouldn't be. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but it wasn't in the in the graphic novel. Yeah, but they had it in the movie just because they needed a break, like a big one-on-one fight with mm. the king. This uber immortal, I guess. Yeah, and uh, so for that reason, they did kind of stick out. They had to be a big fight, you know, yeah. a big solid fight. Oh, and, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. fun. I mean, everything what we did for the rehearsals, they they kept it and they kept it there, and it, yeah. it wasn't cut out. They did cut some stuff out, you know? yeah, but uh, 
but mostly it's all there. You know, so Imagine, uh, did you meet Frank Miller? Was he there, the guy that wrote the graphic? He was on set. Oh, yeah, really I, took cool. picture, I took a picture with him uh, with makeup. Oh, really? Nice. And uh, uh, I imagine Daryl Butler must have been a fun guy. To fun guy. Uh, fun guy, very funny guy. Very intimidated of me at first because I had a big broad sword in me for <laughs> my character. Yeah. You know, that was, that was, that was him. Basically, at first, he I had a thin sword. <laughs> I didn't want to get beat up by a steak knife. You know? so, <laughs> he made a bigger sword for me. Yeah, it's very that can hurt people with you know. Yeah, but sword. And there's a point in the scene, in the movie, where I, I try to stab him in the head. He, he blocks it. You know, he didn't trust me at first. You know, but because uh, I really had to literally aim it towards yeah. his face. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he was okay afterwards. Oh, very okay. friendly guy. It was, we were on the streets when my wife came over for the weekend. We were on the streets in Saint Denis in Montreal, and then walking on the sidewalk, and, and then all of a sudden I see Butler, <laughs> Butler walking towards us. And he, he remembered me. He recognized me. Hey, yeah. Robert. Yeah. And then he took a picture with my my wife. Oh, uh, lovely. Yeah. Lovely guy. That's awesome. But, uh, yeah. That was always was a good time. It was a good time. It was, it was fun. It took a whole year before the movie came out. Was a lot of yeah. It's gonna be hard to sit on that. You can't really tell most people. You probably signed NDA. No, no you, I couldn't because something. I was worried they were going to cut the whole thing off. Oh right, yeah. Yeah, that's the worst too. Yeah, you tell everyone about but it. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, and then, with the month before the movie came out, you see the trailer and the posters. In the tra- I'm in the, in the I'm in the trailer, which is yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. Even that, the trailer sometimes deceiving, yeah. right? But as the, the character posters you got posters from Leonidas and the Queen, you know, and then the poster of me. Yeah, oh, yeah. a single poster, but the, that's always a good sign up in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> you get a full seat. You get a full seat. You're all right. Yeah, um, I'm all right. I'm all right. So, and, so I, I mean. Excited, yeah. I, I can't go through every movie you're in, but I am interested in, in a few to talk about with you. And I don't want to take all, all your time, but uh, what what was the Immortals like? Because that's a movie I really like, but not a lot of people yeah. talk about. And I, I thought it was yeah. an amazingly cool movie, very stylistic, uh, very. I thought like I mean, Rourke was a fantastic villain. Henry Cavill's kind of first big thing, um, besides that Tudor's TV show. And your role in it, obviously, you don't see your face because you're the Minotaur, and you're but. Uh, it was a very brutal character and a very like the movie itself is is a cool grimy it, sort of look at, at Greek mythology, which I really liked. Um well it, it, it probably compared to three hundred. Yeah, I, I didn't, but most people probably do, yeah. Yeah. yeah but my, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I said, well, this is like three hundred. And people yeah. on seven you shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> the writers behind you just ring in like his script up. Yeah, yeah. No, no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quiet then. Yeah. Uh, no, it was a cool experience. Uh again, this is my friend of mine who worked I worked on three hundred, Jean Frenette. Mm-hmm. You might not heard the name, but Jean Frenette, he owns schools, uh the karate schools in Montreal. His, his whole career is in martial arts, but he's also a, uh, a stunt coordinator. He's a well-known stunt coordinator in Canada. He works in the States as well. He did a lot of movies movies and shows. Uh, he worked recently on Reacher, TV series Reacher. Oh, yeah, and, that's big. And, uh, and, and Jack and Jack and, and uh, you know, the Tom Clancy show. Uh, oh, Jack, Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan. Yeah. Working on those shows. He's a, he's a, one of the, the best stunt coordinators in Canada. And even in the States, I would say. Must work, work for Prime Studios. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, probably. He's, a, he's a busy guy. But uh, he was he was there in Montreal. He's, he's the one who kind of helped me 
got, got calf to oh, well, yeah. cool. be healthy. He's yeah. one of the stunt guys, local guys. And uh, he's always behind my back. You know, he's always friendly with me. He was a stunt coordinator in the Immortals. And, uh, and he called me up asking me if I was interested in playing play the Minotaur. He thought of me playing the Minotaur. Mm-hmm. They were looking for a Minotaur and think, well, Robert could play this part. And he called me up and absolutely I said yes yeah. uh, I took the uh, again I was still working on my my job uh, more time off that, yeah, <laughs> time off and they took a lot of my vacation time but they were not too friendly as you were in 300 they were kind of fed up with the <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I understand anyways but uh, Immortals was very cool yeah a lot of um, uh I think the production design was amazing. Oh, like your costume was fantastic. Oh, like all the all the barbed wire and everything was so cool. It was made by this Asian lady from Japan, Echo. She she made the whole wardrobe for Dracula. You know the Gary Oldman movie. Yeah. Dracula. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Made, yeah. Academy Award winning. Yeah. Wardrobe designer, and she made she worked on Immortals. She made the suit, the 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 uh, and uh, uh, nice lady, but I'm a. Uh, Looks cool and badass, not, not very fucking comfortable. Yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> very hot, you know, because I had a mask underneath the helmet. The helmet yeah. was a helmet bowl of barbed wire, which yeah. wasn't barbed wire, real barbed wire. Thank yeah. God. But uh, <laughs> real, real horns, pointy horns, dangerous. Yeah. And I had a mask underneath. Well, basically, it was basically like yeah. this. <laughs> awesome. Breathing was hard. Easy to swing well. a hammer, right? Like, yeah. well, a fight scene. <laughs> uh, our fight scene, we mean Henry. I say Cavill, but I don't know. Cavill, Cavill, yeah. yeah. I say Cavill. So it sounds more elegant. Cavill. It does. It does sound more elegant. He is English. He's, so a, handsome, he's a handsome guy. So, mm-hmm. you yeah. uh, Nice man, nice kid, nice guy. Very friendly, very, uh, very shy too. Yeah, very yeah. I've heard that about him. He's he's a big nerd. Like anything he's in, he's, he's like yeah, super nerdy. So uh, which I super appreciate. So <laughs> as one myself. But uh, he's um, the set we were fighting on. There was a small, very small kind of set, and it, it kind of worked for us. The director liked that because it was yeah. small, but there was this big fight scene, this mandatory versus you know this big. A lot of fight in a small condensed set. It was yeah. kind of a little more visually intriguing, I guess. Yeah. But it was I thought it was pretty dangerous for me because I had this horns is really yeah to hurt people if I I was afraid of stabbing Henry in the face, you know. <laughs> I was very conscious about that. They put tennis balls at the end of it during the breaks, you know. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. It was cool. a fun set. It was, it was the director is very friendly, very nice. I did some brutal stuff in yeah. the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. When you, you uh, sweet, I, uh, the guy in the nuts with the uh, with the hammer, that's amazing. That's, that's super good. I have to be very, very good with my my swing. Yeah, it's, it'd be hard with a because giant I helmet. You can't see. I had to stop it because he was sitting sitting on his ass and against the wall. Yeah, you know, with his legs spread apart, and uh, I had to swing. This is my... my you can't see anything in it. <laughs> yeah. I had this freaking bat. What a, uh, like a, like, you look like a Flintstone bat. Or yeah. Something. And I swing. I had to stop it right in between his knees before oh, yeah. I went too far. And luckily, I was a good aim because, you know, when I was young, <laughs> I, I was good with the axe, chopping yeah. wood back home. So, so I was pretty good with aiming, you know. So That's I was awesome. Pretty good at, and I stopped and... It was uh, yeah, it was fun. Just 
torturing the guy. Oh man! Well, I mean, but, I'm, uh, yeah. that, that's awesome. Uh, I'm yeah, sure. And then I met, I met, I met uh, Mickey Rourke. Oh, because he was the villain, and yep. I met him. For Hyperion. The yeah, and he was an interesting guy. He's a he's a he's a rebel. He's he seemed like an intense fella. He's intense. He could be intense. You know, he was. He didn't read his lines. Oh, he had five pages. He's the main villain. He had five yeah. pages of lines to remember. Right? He didn't. He didn't care. He had <laughs> guys holding cue cards. Holding cue cards. But if you see the movie. You wouldn't know because he's such a natural gifted yeah. actor. He's such a yeah. actor. He's another yeah. guy I feel like, I mean, maybe his own, his own <laughs> like, I, I mean, I don't know him personally, but just like, he's so yeah. talented. Like, I mean, the wrestler is a masterpiece, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. And especially people like, like you and I, who've been on that side of it, you know, you've seen all that stuff. Um, people well, I mentioned that. that this is my connection to him when I approached him. Uh, I used to be, I was yeah. a wrestler. Ask him how hard it was. Oh, it was freaking hard. And, yeah. You know, had a little bit of a small conversation with him. I took a picture with him too. Oh, cool. Yeah. He was a cool cat. Yeah, a cool cat. Yeah. Um, I always thought he was incredibly talented, but he, his personality probably got in the way of, of his. He's a bit crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, crazy. it's funny to listen to those stories because, like, it's crazy to me as because I do acting as well. I'm in the union and stuff, but I've never anything huge, but just little parts here and there. And, uh, you know, the idea that, like, you could do that. Like, when Brando used to do that, he'd wear, like, a mount earpiece and someone would feed him his lines from the other room. Like, just crazy. Like, just, you know, and, and still doing amazing stuff. It's like... It's still amazing stuff. That's, yeah. The end product is what's most important, I suppose. You yeah. know? So, so uh, that's the way. You know? yeah. Whatever works. Yeah. Sherlock Holmes got your face out there, of course, which is fun. So. Yeah. yeah, no, Holmes was a, was Holmes was a big, big highlight, for sure. He was highlight for me. Yeah, I mean the way the way I got the part, I think it was through, maybe through three hundred. I got the part from that. Yeah, uh, because if my name was around in the same studio, like in, mm-hmm. the, in their database, I guess. Yeah, for big and, guys. Uh, well, yeah, the the, the 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 casting director from England, I guess, I got mm-hmm. got the email from them asking me if I was be available for it. Mm-hmm. I knew about Sherlock Holmes. I knew they were prepping for it during the summer. Robert Downey was hot now, Aaron yeah. and, you know, and now the, the next big role was Sherlock Holmes. You know? So I uh, followed the news. And then when he mentioned Sherlock Holmes, on the emails, I, I exactly knew how this is a big movie. And then uh, they, they, I went through the audition phase, but funny enough, not not like a, a typical tape audition. Yeah. You know, uh, it was, they wanted to know how physically imposing I would, I would be, I suppose. So they wanted to do simply pictures of mean faces. Of course, I had a collection of my <laughs> pictures, right? Yeah. So I sent a whole bunch of them to, 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 to them. And then they wanted to see me run uh, because you remember the movie, I run yeah. away a lot from uh, yeah. from homes with his cattle prod. Yeah. And they wanted to see me if I could run because they're thinking a big guy can't run. You know, so... And I have a, I'm a runner now. It's funny enough, in the last couple of years, since since the corrections thing, the training, I, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm a runner. I run three times a week. So at the time, I was not. Uh, I was not a runner. So we, we set up this uh, taping with uh, with a friend of mine at, in Shidiac, actually, at the racetrack behind high school. Uh, and so the night before, I wanted to try out. Uh, made the mistake of doing a test a test run. <laughs> a test uh, run run? Yeah. 
if I could do it. Oh, yeah. Right. I did a sprint. Oh, I'm good with that. And then the next day, of course, my legs were completely dead. So right. the taping was screwed up. I screwed up the taping. I couldn't do the taping. I couldn't do it. Yeah. And I thought, I thought I screwed up my, I lost my role, the role because of it. But they didn't care. No. Just to want it anyway. So what was the whole point of it yeah. all? It's so ridiculous what they ask for sometimes or what they're looking <laughs> for. You know, it's so ridiculous. Like sometimes you'll get these tape requests and it's like, you know, like, like the thing, it's like they want to see you pick up a, you know, a bottle. It's like, like, I, you can't you assume that someone that has, you know, is an actor can pick up a bottle? Like, you know, it's just like strange stuff. Like, it's really weird. But they want to make sure they jump, you can jump through hoops for them. To, yeah, I suppose so. At least you can take direction, I suppose. But yeah, um, but uh, no, they, they flew me. Funny, they never really offered me the role because I was, again, I was by myself. I didn't have an agent at that time. I yeah. had an agent maybe like a, a year later. At the time, I didn't have an agent. And, and then uh, they uh, they flew me down to London, business class. I said, oh, all right. Oh yeah, hey. Hey, uh, hey. <laughs> do a wardrobe fitting. Yeah. Met the cast, you know, do a script reading, and then uh, it was just exciting. You met everybody was there: Robert Downey, Jude Law, Rachel McAdams. Said, oh, yeah, that's cool. Very exciting. And then uh, did some fight training, some verse rehearsing, and then uh, at the end of the day, before they took me to the airport. Did, did I get the role? <laughs> they looked at me because some guys were like, well, yeah. Said, what the hell are you talking You're about? You're at the reading. <laughs> You're at the reading. You yeah. wouldn't have a lot of money to fly me over the ocean there. You know? That's awesome. But, uh, and then I went back a few weeks, like a, a few weeks later for, uh, for to, to shoot. And I was there for two months. Oh, wow. And they put me up in a nice apartment in London in two months. That's crazy, like two months, you know what I mean? Like to do a role that was like 10 minutes in the movie, probably 15 minutes. Uh, so, yeah, and only had four, uh, if I remember right, 14 days of shooting, in yeah, yeah. two months, yeah. So, which means the rest of the time I was just living, you know, doing that's awesome, things. yeah, yeah. Uh, that was super cool. What was uh, what's what's working like? What I'm a huge fan of Guillermo del Toro, so obviously, The Strain and Pacific Rim are two things I want yeah. to chat with you about. Um, The Strain was really cool, because, like, your character was amazing in it, and even that you got to to be yourself in the, the flashback scene where you see how the, the master came to your face. With all yeah. hair. With all yeah, 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 yeah. And like yeah, and, yeah. And, and get to see that your affable nature. You're like a kind, you know, lord in the in the community helping out kids and like play, you know, being a nice guy before the and then, and then I turn on the kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. When I turn into the master. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was exciting. Oh, it was a very exciting. Pacific Rim. Well, it came about because uh Guillermo saw me in the Big Bang movie I did movie I did with the Antonio Banderas. It's, yeah, he was a boxer. Yeah. I'll play this Russian uh boxer. But the Del Toro saw that movie. Well, you know, he watches all sorts of movies. And that movie was kind of obscure. You know? Yeah, it's it's a strange movie too. It's it's like yeah, it's got, very yeah, strange it's, movie. Yeah, it's a very very different different tone. Like it yeah, it was cool. It was kinda of like a crime movie, but it had like a weird existentialist tone to it. I don't know. Uh, the big bang theory. yeah nature and like reality and all that stuff too yeah yeah that's, that's yeah. very 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 cool very very yeah. strange but he he saw the movie and he, he liked my part he liked my look whatever and he offered me the part to play the russian and the pacific rim and which is wow exciting. pacific rim is the big i think it's, it's the biggest movie i ever did production wise i, mean, I would assume it must have been all green screen is it just standing in front of green screen well, most of it was green screen most yeah. of it for sure but it was all practical sets as well no, cool. You know, the, the cafeteria, the, the, uh, 
the Shatter Dome, I guess, the big the control base. And a lot, there's a lot of practical stuff. Well, of course, you got a green screen. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of that movie. I love Kaiju. Uh, we, did, we did the head. The head part where we're controlling, that was all practical stuff. That was, oh, that's you know, cool. That must have been all, a trip. Well, wow. <laughs> uh, strapped up in it, you know, and harnessed in, and we're throwing a gimbal and yeah. moving like water thrown at us. Smoke. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was crazy. crazy. Yeah. No, it was hard. It was hard. But it worked in movies because it's so physical. It yeah. really wasn't real. You know? Well, it was a great time. Great people. People are nice. It's a great, great experience. And Toro, Del Toro must be a cool guy to, to hang out with. Cool guy. Very nice man. Very pleasant man. Very smart guy. Yeah. Very easy. You know, when he talks, you just want to let him talk. He knows you know this stuff, you know. Yeah. And, uh, no, very, very, very pleasant guy. Very nice yeah. man. Did that connection very, lead to the strain as well? Or was that? He offered me the role as the master. Uh, it's funny, a year before I was in Toronto shooting Pacific Rim, uh, friends of mine were in a comic book store, and they said, the guy, and then my friend showed up with a comic book, said, you, you'd be great in that part, the strange comic book, which Guillermo, oh, yes, Guillermo yeah. co-wrote, uh, he said, because he thought Guillermo, since I'm working with Guillermo in Pacific Rim, he might do the strain maybe in, in the future. Now maybe that could be a good movie or a yeah. piece. We yeah. didn't know. Yeah. You could be great in that part, you know, in the master, you know. Said, oh, okay, that would be cool, but <laughs> you think of it. And a year later, of course, he offers me the part as the master. That's awesome. It's such a, it's one of my favorite uh, vampire versions. In, in it was different, very unique for vampire. Well, to make now, it like a a virus, you know, like um, it's almost well, like an infection. Nick it is, it could really happen. You know yeah. I mean? Instead of the twilight or the true blood. Yeah. Uh, this one, it could, it could, this could happen. Type but of deal. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. combining it in a way that that you still get some of the old world fun vampire stuff, yeah. like the Dracula the stuff, but, yeah, but yeah. with the uh, with the a more real world practical like you know pandemic virus kind of version. Well, especially what we went through the last couple of years. Makes it a more oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> relevant, you know what I mean? It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Well, I always thought I always thought his work on like the Blade Two was like the uh, I love the the vampires in that and like and yes. I I think that movie was Third fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I like he saw he brought more of that. I got to expand on it in a funner way, and and uh, he did. Yeah. yeah. No, it was great times. Uh, the, the wardrobe was awesome. The makeup was. It was. It's called playing the main, the main bad guy. It was pretty yeah. neat, though. Yeah, I was cast. disappointed when they he shifted forms and became the other guy. I was like, ah. <laughs> yeah, like, well, I <laughs> when I read, when I got cast, I read the books before. I yeah. wanted to read the books and uh, realized that the master changed his bodies to the. You know, in the second yeah. book, I guess. And oh, okay. So I might not have this role until the end of the show, the end of the series. And sure enough, the second season, you know, in mid, yeah. mid, midway in the middle of the second season, they decided to change it up with the, with the uh, yeah. boulevard. But yeah. A big cast and a cool cast. Like Corey Stoll's a cool actor. I really like Kevin Durant. Oh. Uh, he's awesome. So uh, Kevin Durant, he's, yeah. also, he's a good friend of mine. Oh really? Awesome, cool. Well, tell yeah, him. He's, a, he's a French. He's a French guy. He's, he's French. He's from the Northern Ontario. Oh really? I did, I knew he's Canadian. I didn't know. Thunder Bay. He's a Thunder Bay guy. Oh, right and, on. Uh, and he's yeah. lived in LA for the last dozen years. You know, so he's a great actor. He did a movie that I I think is really underappreciated. It's the Adam McGloin one, The Captive. 
The one that uh, yeah, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, 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 I think that movie is one of is like it's one a lot of people slept on, but his his performance in it is amazing. He's hundred uh, percent in every role. He does. Yeah, yeah, he's, that movie is incredibly unsettling, and that's why what it should be. It's really good. He transforms yeah. himself for sure. Yeah. You know, he loses weight, gains weight, whatever. He, he's yeah, yeah. yeah, I learned a lot from him. He's a pretty nice, nice man, big heart. He's a cool guy. You know, oh, nice cool! Guy. That's awesome to hear. Um, yeah, so I'll wrap it up. I mean, Deadpool 2 looked fun. You got to do a little bit of the be in the comic book world. Yeah, 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 worked with Ryan Reynolds, you know, was a funny guy. Didn't have a lot of time with him, no, but uh, whatever time I had on set with him was, was pretty cool. Awesome. Guy. And no, Becky, you didn't have to have makeup, you know, just to go touch up here <laughs> and there, and that's it. Put the, put the jumpsuit, yellow jumpsuit, and yeah, hang out with uh, Omega Red and uh, a bunch of other people in prison. That's well, nice. I hung up with Josh Brolin. Brolin was on set. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, cool guy. That would have been neat. He seems like a cool guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and Becky, of course, was kind of like a weird under underground hit that came out of nowhere, which is a pretty fun. They're doing a sequel, too. Yeah, because uh, the, 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 the pandemic helped a lot that movie, but that movie. It was the only movie that was released. All the big movies on hold. That movie was right, released. Right, 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 right. And, and that was a, kind of a big hit at the time because of that, you know, so... The COVID help. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's really, it's also neat to see uh, uh, Kevin James play like a real villain. Like, uh, yeah, the first I, time seeing a villain, a Nazi, the Nazi guy, for Christ's yeah. sake, you know, Nazi. I, I had a, it was one of my best parts. It was, I, it's a part I understood I could play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went audition for it. I, oh, I get this guy. I understand. I can play this guy. Yeah. Very naive, very emotional. I can play him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was awesome role, great part. And most of the scenes I had was, was Kevin and and, and Lee, Lou, Lou Wilson. Yeah. Just, she's awesome. She's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was fun just beating up on Jeff uh, McCall. McCall. Yeah, McCall. Yeah. Yeah. He was intimidated of me. He's a big guy too. You know, tall, in good shape. Yeah. When 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 I. Shoved him down when I got in the house and shoved him. <laughs> uh, he was a bit intimidated at first with me, you know. So <laughs> we kind of worked in the movie, I suppose. I imagine you so, would be. I mean, most actors are probably not used to being tossed around by a big guy, you know, yeah, especially like oh, Mikhail's yeah. a tall dude. So uh, I gave him a choke slam, but I did. I kind of choked him. <laughs> but uh, no, a good fun. It was fun. It was just a fun time. Great experience being as an actor, you know. Yeah. And then the movie turned out to be great, and it just made a sequel. That's yeah, out. it's coming as I saw they're doing a sequel. Half of Becky. Yeah, which is cool. You know, I thought, you know, I thought well, I could be in the sequel, and then I remember, oh no, she shot me in the face. So, <laughs> yeah, it's not the kind of movie where they bring back a zombie or something. But... Yeah, exactly. Let me a flashback. That's awesome. So, do you have anything That's else right. coming up in the the acting world? Well, the production's kind of, you know, never happened. Yeah. I didn't have time the last couple of years. The, the idea of why I entered this this profession is uh, I can you do have options yep. leave time of leave time so uh, pretty much like pick and choose because yep. they have to be something to be worthwhile to do mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not giving up on acting I just had to do something to oh yeah it. well no, you got to make a living you got a family right you're, you're married I, you I do love acting I do love mm-hmm. acting yeah. I, I love to do more so I'm hoping to do more in the future while I'm still doing this new job too you know so that's the idea are you in the union are you an actor member i'm still actor yeah me too yeah <laughs> i'm still paying, I'm still paying my dues yeah so, me too so. but no i mean 
I wish I, yeah, I'd love to go back and do some more, but yeah, different priorities for sure. Priorities of before it was acting, it was always first. Now it's, it's changed now. It's, yeah, no. yeah. Well, I mean, it's you're fine, but it's fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're on the bat, the uh, you know, once you hit 50, you gotta make sure. I mean, your kids are well, that there, right? and exactly. I did my time as, as far as I could, I had a good time, I did my as, as, as much as I could, I, I did the best as I could, yeah, in acting or even wrestling too. But acting, I, you know, I had a good run on it. And I'm, I'm hoping I do some more. Oh yeah, for, awesome. uh, if not, that's fine. You know, I'm happy I had the experience I had. You know, the time You're I had. Place. That's awesome. And, yeah, for sure. Cool, awesome. Well, I hope to hope to catch up with you again sometime soon in uh, real life. So. Are you doing a East Coast Comic Expo this year? I haven't been invited yet. Uh, right. I, but I might go. I might go and drop by. Cool. We should uh, grab a beer or something afterwards. Something. I'd love to, man. Oh, cool. Well, thanks so much for being in the show, Rob. I really appreciate it. Yeah, take care, man. I'll, talk to... Uh, I'll talk to you again soon. All right. Take care. Bye bye. There is my conversation with Robert Maillet. Big thanks to Rob for being in the show, and thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, you know, Bruce Pritchard said that Robert was too nice to make it in the, the wrestling business, and maybe the wrestling business doesn't deserve a guy like Robert Maillet, if that's the case, because he is certainly one of the most pleasant people I've ever spent time with. Certainly in the, one of our conversations, it's easy for you to see how much of a nice guy he is. And, uh, you know, stepping on others is what it takes to succeed in certain industries. Perhaps certain industries should change. So I'm hoping that uh, maybe someday the wrestling industry will reflect that uh, talented, kind people can get ahead instead of just being cutthroat and uh, and uh, vicious in your ascension to power. Uh, but Rob certainly deserves the, the beautiful career he's had, and, and I wish him all the best in the future. And I, and I hope I do get to catch up with him again in person because he's just as fun to hang out and chat with in real life as he is on uh, on the show. Um, if you're a fan of this show, please rate and subscribe, as I mentioned earlier. Also, you can check me out on the X-Rated podcast, the X-Men anime review show, in which Davin Scalhorn and I go through episodes of the X-Men show from the 90s and uh, review them, chat about them, talk about them. We have guest stars. We have people that have been in the show before. Uh, not on my show, but have been on, um, we have had people on that show who were animators, voice actors, showrunners, and, uh, you get a bit of this on that. So if you don't catch me on this show, if you're missing more Andre and you want to see me interview others, you can see me interview those folks over on that show from time to time. But otherwise it's just me and Davin having fun watching X-Men cartoons, which is a blast. So go check it out. There's a bunch of other shows on the, uh, United Federation of Podcast Network that we are part of. Another one that Davin is on with uh, Chris Murphy is um, the Hold Up podcast, which they talk about movies, and I've been digging that one as well, listening to them yell at each other uh, and be incredibly harsh about old movies from different times. It's actually pretty fun, especially when they don't get along with something. It's, uh, it's a lot of yelling. And Davin may be one of the most extreme people I know when it comes to <laughs> his takes on certain movies. But it's endearing, and uh, his passion for movies is certainly there, so I appreciate that as well. But yeah, go check those shows out. And uh, be back here in two weeks' time for this show, which I'm not sure who the guest is yet. i got a few folks, as I always do, on the line. Once I have that confirmed, uh, I will reveal that on social media. I'm also considering starting a Patreon page for this, in which maybe I could offer a video option for certain podcasts um, on that, which uh, which might be fun. So if that's something you think you may be interested in, let me know, and uh, I could use it towards my decision-making process. Uh, but in the meantime, 
hope you have a great couple weeks. I hope um, you're enjoying the, the warming weather in my part of the world, whatever part of the world you're in. I hope it's also fun weather, good times. And uh, I often review movies on social media that I see because I watch a lot of them. But I watched one last night that's often popped up on lists of uh, you know Lovecraftian movies that you may not have heard of. And uh, this one has popped up quite a bit on that. So I watched it last night. It's a bit bloated. It's like two hours and 20 minutes long, which is a bit long for a horror film. But it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's one I hadn't heard of before. And it's kind of cool. Like, it's not... I mean, the budget doesn't blow you through the roof, but it, it has enough interesting stuff in it to make for um, a pretty cool little movie. And if you, it doesn't hold your hand too much through it. If you know a bit about occult and, uh, and certain things with Eastern occultism, you'll, you'll enjoy it. If you like Lovecraft stuff, I think you'll enjoy it on that level. But check it out. It's called uh, The Empty Man. And it's actually available on Disney Plus because it's a Fox movie. So check it out. It's actually a good movie. And if you like Lovecraftian horror, this might be the movie for you. But uh, anyway, thanks again for tuning in, and I will see you next time. The Graphic Histories Podcast is a proud partner of the United Federation of Podcasts.